message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. We come this morning uh, to our second week. We're working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and this is week two. So uh, you've only missed one week, so that's fine. That's easy to catch up on. And so we're going to be working our way through Luke's Gospel and looking at encountering Jesus. And for many of us, that will be encountering him afresh. And I'm also trusting for many of you, it may be encountering him for the first time. And that's what we're doing over the uh, next few weeks or so. So if you do have a Bible with you, if you want to be finding Luke chapter 2, please, we'll read some verses in just a second. And if you get there, you'll see that at the beginning of Luke chapter 2, it's about the birth of Jesus. And they would be passages that we would often read and refer to at Christmas. Now, let's, let's be clear. The story of the birth of Jesus is not just for Christmas. Okay, we can have it at any time of the year. So we could spend some time looking at that this morning, but we won't. Because uh, I wanted to get into the second part of Luke chapter 2. And uh, I'm sure we'll look at the beginning part of Luke chapter 2 on another occasion. Maybe around Christmas time or another time. Um, Having just said that. But it's interesting that Luke doesn't spend ages on it, actually. We've got from verse 1 through to really verse 20 about the birth of Jesus, only 20 verses in his gospel. Um, Because like the other gospel writers, whilst this is an important event, they want their readers to encounter Jesus. And they want to get him to talk about his life and ministry and what he was doing and teaching. And um, that's what we're going to be doing this morning. So we're going to actually read from verse 21. So we pick up the accounts when Jesus is eight days old. And you'll see why, if you're paying attention carefully, well, this is a good passage for this morning. On the eighth day, this is Luke 2, verse 21, when it was time to circumcise him, we're not doing that, okay, let's let's just be clear. (laughs) Some of you were looking worried at that point, so let's keep moving. He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him, before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. 
The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these few verses we've read, and we pray now as we spend the remainder of our time this morning looking at them together, that, Lord Jesus, uh, would you apply these words to our lives? Holy Spirit, would you come and be our teacher? Would you help us to encounter Jesus now? We ask it for your glory. Amen. Amen. So we've got Jesus here being presented in the temple. And Joseph and Mary are going to give thanks to the Lord for Jesus, as the law required them to do so. Now, no law requires John and Sarah to give thanks to Jude, but they wanted to do that. And as Matt so helpfully explained earlier, that's what we were doing this morning. We were giving thanks to God for the safe arrival of Jude and praying for God's blessing upon him. And so what Mary and Joseph are doing here is fulfilling Jewish law and they're going to give thanks to God for their son and to, to present him to the Lord, to offer him uh, to him, to be consecrated by him. And so verse 22, this is uh, 40 days, some six weeks after giving birth. And we know from Old Testament law that every firstborn male was to be holy to the Lord, dedicated to him. And as we've said, this is thanksgiving to God uh, for the child. Now, you'll know that pregnancy is not always easy, nor is giving birth. If you've given birth, you'll probably know that. If you have just watched uh, on the television that series, One Born Every Minute, you'll, you'll know that you know, giving birth and pregnancy isn't always straightforward. It's not an always, always an easy deal. Not everyone even is able to have children. So it's right to pause and to give thanks to God, to thank him for the gift of a child, as we've done this morning. And this is not a religious ritual for us, as Matt was again saying earlier. This is heartfelt thanksgiving, worship to the Lord, thanking him for the, the gift of a child. Maybe on Mother's Day we should be thanking God for the gift of mothers too. Some of you mothers are nodding and uh, shouting amen at that point and I can understand that. And honouring them. But listen, how, just how often do we say thank you? How often do we pause and say thank you, not just for babies, not just for mums and all that they do for us, but for anyone or anything. Somebody once said, if you want to feel great, be grateful. If you want to feel great, be grateful. 
So even perhaps for you in the midst of difficulty and pain or perhaps in the midst of challenging circumstances, what can you give thanks to God for? What can you give thanks to God for? I was on a training course this week uh, with other uh, pastors and uh, teachers from around uh, the region of New Frontiers that we're part of here in the north. And uh, we'd gathered on Thursday to be presented a paper on suffering and how we respond to suffering. And the guy that was teaching the day uh, gave an illustration of someone in, of, in his church who is in his late 40s who has, uh, is suffering with Parkinson's disease quite severely. So if you know anything about that, late 40s is very, very early to suffer uh, such a disease. And here was somebody who loved Jesus and uh, you know, had enjoy, enjoyed life and was now suffering with this very debilitating illness. And uh, the guy was saying that in, in being with him and praying with him and spending time with this chap who was suffering this disease, he encouraged him to write down what he could still be thankful for. Even in the midst of very difficult circumstances for him, in the midst of having to give up the job that he so enjoyed because he couldn't do it anymore, he encouraged him, write down what you're thankful to God for. And it was very moving, as Mike read to us, the, the email or the note this guy had sent him saying, this is what I've got to give, be thankful for. And he listed it off. And we were sort of almost moved to tears. As here was a guy who was suffering quite substantially now. And yet he still had much to give thanks to God for. It's actually true, isn't it? Maybe it helps to write these things down sometimes. Write down what you've got to give thanks for, to be thankful for. Scripture encourages us. Psalm 147, sing to the Lord with grateful praise. I'm not sure it's possible to sing to the Lord with ungrateful praise, but the psalmist makes it clear, with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. And praise his name. New Testament, Philippians 4, verse 6, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So friends, please hear me right on this. I don't want to undermine or belittle in any way challenging circumstances you may be facing situations that are before you things that I don't know about you may be facing on your own that maybe nobody else knows but listen even in the midst of those circumstances let's respond to what the scripture teaches us let's still be thankful to God for what we can be thankful for not that we not how we somehow pretend circumstances aren't there but in the midst of them and even in the middle of, of facing them be thankful to God for what you have to be thankful for. When was the last time you went out of your way to thank someone else? Maybe an email, or a card, a phone call. Now, honest will be a church that is good at thanking and encouraging one another. Do you want to be part of a church like that? Well, it's just me. Okay. No, no, no. It's two of us. Me and Caroline. Some more of you. Excellent. Well, listen, the way that happens is that each of us do it. 
So let's be a church that is thankful for one another, thankful to God, yes, but also thankful and encouraging to one another. And let's, just as Mary and Joseph came to give thanks to God for Jesus, just as John and Sarah this morning have given thanks to him for Jude, let's give thanks to God for everything that we can give thanks to him for. Amen? Does that sound good? Okay, number two. So we find that they go into the temple to give thanks to the Lord and they come across this guy called Simeon. Now there was in Jerusalem a man called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And we're not told he was old, but the sort of the passage sort of implies it, doesn't it? That he was waiting to, uh, to see the Lord's Christ and knew that once he'd, he'd done that, he could, he could die in peace. And so Jesus is taken by Mary and Joseph to Jerusalem and they meet Simeon and also Anna, as we'll see in a moment. Now Simeon had been waiting for them, actually. We're told in verse 26 that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So God had promised him that he would see the Christ before he would die. So he knew it. He knew it was going to happen. And today was the day. Last week we talked about promises, didn't we? What has God promised you? What has he spoken to you? That's probably something else to write down as well. So, God had promised Simeon that he would see the Christ before he died. And actually, for most people, it was going to be another 30 years until they really saw Jesus for who he was, or indeed is. But Simeon saw it in the spirit. He saw the Christ. I wonder if he thought this day was going to be any different. Maybe he'd been waiting for this for a long time. The scripture doesn't tell us, but you can imagine that this is a promise that has been long-standing in his life. And maybe for a while, he thought, I wonder if this is the day. And he'd get up, goes to the temple courts, and think, is today the day? And it wasn't the day. He'd go back home again. And maybe he'd go the next day thinking, I wonder if it's today. He must have seen hundreds of families like this before. Perhaps every time asking the Lord, is this him? Is this him? And then today, then on this day, he sees Jesus. The Holy Spirit whispers to him, this is the one. How excited must Simeon have been. He'd been waiting for this moment. And now he gets to see Jesus. Waiting for so long. And then he sees him. Maybe some of you this morning feel like you've been waiting for so long to see Jesus. Maybe you've been searching for so long to find some answers to the questions you've got. Just as Simeon saw him, even this morning, you can see Jesus. So Simeon sees him and he prophesies over Jesus, as does Anna, the elderly prophetess. So bear in mind, Jesus at this point is just a baby. He's six weeks old. He's quite small, as six-week-old babies generally are. There's nothing, just to look at him, that would imply he's any different to any other baby. It's not that he's got some angels flapping round him on the side, or there is some sort of glowing halo above his head. This is, to anybody else, just any baby. But Simeon sees who he is. 
And so Simeon prophesies a few things about him. So verse 29, it says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. You see, the coming of Jesus was something that Scripture had promised for many hundreds of years. If you look through the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again, people are looking forward to this moment in world history. This is where things change, where things turn. We look back at it, for people over many hundreds of years, they were looking forward to this moment. This was something that was promised, that God had promised long ago. He would bring salvation. Verse 30, Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. You see, this is all about God's salvation. It's his doing. It's his idea. If ever you thought, I wonder if I can do anything that will make me right with God. Maybe you thought that. Most of us have thought that at one point or another. We thought, I wonder what it could be. Maybe if I read the Bible, maybe if I pray a lot, maybe if I turn up to church, then that will get me some brownie points with God and uh, you know, I'll sort of be okay. But it doesn't work like that because nothing that you or I can do can solve the problem of what the Bible calls our sin, that which is, we've done that has offended God. But you see, the Bible's clear. This is his plan. This is God's salvation. This is God's gift. Jesus is God's gift. It's not about what you or I do. It's about what God has done in Jesus. So Simeon can see it. He's only six weeks old, Jesus, at this point. Simeon knows what's going on. He can see that this is God's salvation. This is what God has been promising for years. He goes on, which, verse 31, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. What does that mean? It means that this is not a secret to be hidden. This is not some sort of secret mystery to be unlocked. There is not some hidden magic code here that you have to have to understand. You know, you, you read those sort of... Uh, uh, mystery books, don't you, where there's some sort of hidden code that you're looking for and you, think you need to find out what that hidden code is for it all to make sense. It's actually quite plain here. And Simeon can see that it's going to become quite plain because he knows that he's seen God's salvation, which he's prepared in the sight of all people. It's going to be made plain to everyone. This is available to all who believe. There's not some hidden code to be unlocked, not some special secret for only a few. This is for all who believe. In verse 32 there, Simeon says that uh, this is about a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon was clear He knew that this salvation, this gift of God, wasn't just for the Jewish people. Many of the Jews thought it was just a thing for them, just a thing for for their nation. Now, it's true that God had chosen them, but he had chosen them to be a light to the Gentiles. A Gentile is somebody who's not a Jew. So if you say that something applies to Jews and Gentiles... That pretty much encompasses everybody. So for most of us here this morning, we would be Gentiles, maybe all of us. 
in terms of our, our, our background and race and where we've come from. But Simeon saw it, you see. He saw this was a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And time and again throughout the Old Testament, the Jews had mistaken it had been just for them. It was just, just for them, just for, just for a few people. Rather than them realising that it was for them in order that they might demonstrate God's salvation to the nations of the world. Because it's actually for everybody, all who believe. They were to be made a light for the Gentiles. So this salvation, this gift of God is for everyone. Jew and Gentile. That's everybody. That's all of us. None of us is excluded from that. So the good news is, this morning, this is for you too. You as well are included in this promise. Because you're either a Jew or a Gentile. doesn't matter which at this moment in time, because you're included in this promise. This gift of God is for you. Whoever you might be, whatever you may have done, wherever you've come from, Right here at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, Luke wants to make it really clear. So there's no doubt whatsoever. This is for Jews, yes, and for Gentiles as well. This is for all who believe. So have you believed? Have you believed or are you just looking in thinking, well, I just want to ask some more questions. That's okay. But maybe this morning you could believe perhaps for the first time. You could put your trust in Jesus and know what it is to have that relationship with God. So Jesus comes away from this encounter with Simeon, having had more words spoken over his life, more promises that God has spoken. And this is more for Mary and Joseph to contend with in their hearts, unable really to talk about it with anybody else, just with each other every now and then maybe. And it took 30 years, or thereabouts, for these words to come into fruition. Jesus grew in stature, grew as a boy, a young man, into adulthood. And it wasn't until he turned 30, as I'm about to in a few weeks' time, that he began his public ministry. So it took a long time to come into fruition. I don't know what God has said to you, maybe a long time ago. Maybe even 30 odd years ago. What's God said to you? What are you waiting for? What are you holding on to in your heart? Maybe as Mary was going to in the future. Don't give up. Don't give up. Mary and Joseph were given promises by Simeon and Anna. We don't know much about Anna here other than what we, what we read, but we can assume that what she brought over Jesus echoed what Simeon had already said and maybe underlined it, add further weight to it. This was quite a day for Mary and Joseph, wasn't it? Already they'd had, you know, angelic encounters before Jesus was born, born supernaturally. No ordinary baby. They had sort of angels turn up to celebrate the birth. Some shepherds turn up as well and and others. and, And now this. What are they making of it? Jesus is only six weeks old. and I think, oh, can you imagine what they've been feeling? It's going to take 30 years for some of these things to come into fruition. We're told that they held these things in their hearts. Mary held on to these things in her heart. 
So maybe God has spoken things to you. Write it down, what God has said. Hold on to it in your heart. John and Sarah, as God says things about Jude, maybe even from this morning, write it down. Be praying over it. It may take a long while to come into fruition, but that's okay. So what were Mary and Joseph going to make of it all? What would they do next? Well, next, they did something really, really spiritual. The next thing that you read about, you think, oh, that is such a spiritual thing to do. What godly people they must have been. Verse 39. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. What did they do after this amazing encounter? They went home. They went home. I mean, it was quite an amazing day. And we all have amazing days and encounters with God. But what did they do? They went home and carried on living life. They had an amazing encounter. These amazing prophetic words over Jesus' life. What did they do? They went home and carried on with life. Not forgetting what had been said to them, but carrying on. You see, after a mountaintop experience, everyday life is resumed. And they went home and brought Jesus up as best they could. And we're told that he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. They did a good job. Everyday life is God's life. Sometimes we can think, oh, it's only in the mountaintop experiences that I can encounter God. It's only in those amazing time moments. Maybe it's in the wonderful worship. Or maybe it's in you know, a context of a Bible weekend with thousands of people and God speaks. And, oh, there's other mountaintop experiences. Well, they're good. And God uses those. But listen, God is in the everyday as well. God is in the everyday as much as he is in the special day. Everyday life is God's life. Because it's in the normal, it's in the everyday that you grow in God. That's when you grow in Him. That's when you learn to rely on Him and live for Him. And too often I've seen people wait on God for some specific word or instruction and they sort of get stuck because they don't feel they've got anything and they don't do anything. And they end up sort of getting stuck nowhere because they're just waiting for this mountaintop experience. And actually what God wants is for them to be faithful in the everyday. Same is true of guidance, where we're waiting for the Lord to speak. Well, actually, it's much easier for God to speak when we're on the move. Think about it. If you've got a huge boulder that you want to move from one place to another, it's much easier harder to get it going to start with than it is just to move it when it's going. So when it's going, it's, it's a bit easier, isn't it, to change direction, change course, and move it a few degrees one way or another. Actually, it's true for the Lord speaking to us as well. When we're moving, when we're being faithful to him and, and trusting him and getting on with what he's given us to do, it's much easier for God to just adjust and move direction a little bit and, and speak and, and change some things. Sometimes people can be so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. 
And they're sort of sitting around waiting for an angelic visitation, a word from the Lord saying, well, I'm not going to do anything until God makes it really clear. You know what? If you're a Christian this morning, God's made it really clear already. Matthew 28:19 says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, if you don't feel you've got anything else in the Lord, you've got that. So even until God says anything else, there's a whole lifetime's work just there. Plenty to be getting on with. Plenty to be faithful in. So if you've got nothing else, do that. In the midst of everyday life, do that. And if God adds to that, great. If not, you've still got loads to be getting on with just there. So what did Joseph and Mary do when they went home? They continued with the everyday while serving God by bringing up Jesus. See, they were serving God in the everyday. They were serving him, being faithful in the normal, in the everyday. And sometimes we can think that actually we only receive the Spirit in in a meeting or when when, when there's a prophetic word to bring. or Well, God does come then, but listen, God sent his presence for the everyday as well, for being faithful in the normal things, faithful in your job, faithful at home, faithful bringing up kids. Faithful in whatever God has given you to do in the everyday. God is there too. The Holy Spirit is there too. You see, it's not those who are famous that God's going to reward. It's not those who have travelled to far off lands and preached to uh, unreached people, good though that is. It's not even those who are still on large stages and preached to millions of people the Billy Grahams of this world and others. It's those who are faithful that God will reward. Faithful. Matthew 25, we haven't got time to look at it now. Jesus uh, tells a story to illustrate this, the parable of the talents, we call it. And it's to illustrate the point that God rewards faithfulness. That's what he's looking for, faithfulness of what God has given you in the everyday in the normal, in the what God has given you to do. So let's bring a conclusion. What have we seen this morning? Well, we've seen how Mary and Joseph firstly gave thanks, how John and Sarah this morning have given thanks for, for Jude, and how the Bible encourages us, no matter what we're going through, our circumstances might be, to give thanks to the Lord. Let's be a thankful people. Let's be a grateful and encouraging people. And not just thankful for God and to him, but thankful to one another as well. Looking to bless and encourage each other as we can. Let's hold on to what God has said. Just as Mary and Joseph, we're going to hold on to what Simeon and Anna have spoken over Jesus. But also know this. It's in the everyday that God comes as well. Serve God in the everyday. Be faithful in the everyday, the normal day. Know the Holy Spirit's presence in the everyday, in the as-you-go-home day. 
as I was praying this week and thinking about this morning being Mother's Day, I was just thinking, actually, I just felt God wanted to underline something here. For those of you who are mums, this is what I felt God would say to you. Don't minimise the importance of what you're doing in bringing up kids. So often you can think, oh, but I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing the other. So this morning, don't minimise the importance of what you're doing in bringing up children. Be faithful in the everyday. In the seemingly mundane or boring. In the nappies and endless washing. Or whatever stage of life it might be for you. In the endless homework and late nights. Be faithful in the everyday. And God says, as you do that, he says, well done. Well done. Can we stand together? We're going to pray as we close this morning. There's a bag can come back up. That would be great. Please, guys. I'm going to pray and we'll sing a song to close our time together. Lord Jesus, thank you for all we've seen here in Luke 2. Lord, we've only skimmed the surface of it, really. So much we haven't delved into the depths of. But we thank you for what we have seen. Thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us to be thankful. And so help us, Lord, even when situations are difficult and trying. And Lord, sometimes they are. And sometimes they're really hard. And sometimes no one else knows quite what it's like. Lord, in those moments, I pray you'd come to us. Lord, in the it couldn't get any worse moments, I pray that you would come to us. And even in those times, to help us to be thankful to you. Lord, if nothing else, thankful to you for your unending love. Thankful to you for your great love. Thankful to you that nothing can come between your love and us. Lord, even if it seems there's nothing else to be thankful for, Lord, I pray we'd be thankful for those things. Help us, Lord, when that's hard. Holy Spirit, help us in those moments. Just remember that you are faithful. Your love is everlasting. And Lord, nothing will separate us from that love which you have given us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for what Simeon saw. Thank you, Lord, that he saw the Christ. He didn't just see another baby, but he saw Jesus. And I pray this morning that, Lord Jesus, we would see you. And Father, if that's again and afresh, I pray that you'd reveal Jesus afresh to us even now. And Lord, if it's for the first time, I pray even this morning, Lord, there might be those who would see you for the first time. See something of your love now for them. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be faithful in the everyday in the normal, in what you've given us to do. Just as Mary and Joseph, after this amazing encounter with Simeon and Anna, after this supernatural birth of Jesus himself, they just went home. 
and carried on being faithful in the everyday. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be faithful in the everyday. Lord, what you've given us to do, thank you for it. Whatever it is that we might put our hands to, Lord, mighty honour you. Lord, everything we do, everything we put our hands to, everything that takes our time and energy, Lord, whatever it is, we do it to your glory, Lord. It's our worship. Lord, our worship isn't just singing songs. Lord, it's living life. So, Father, I pray you'd help us to live lives that worship you and honour you in the everyday. We ask it in Jesus' name.